0: Yes, Iglesia, hoy día yo quiero hablar con ustedes sobre la importancia de comunicación efectivo. Anybody speak Spanish in the house? How was that? Was that good? That was good. Some of you guys were getting nervous. You, like, you, you thought I might be speaking in tongues. Others were getting excited. Uh, what I said is, today I'm going to talk to you about the importance of effective communication. But of course, <laughs> when I did that, I wasn't communicating very effectively, right? Because nobody understood what I was saying. Uh, but we know that in our life, communication, effective communication, is absolutely essential to every aspect of our life. Did you understand what I was saying in Spanish? Did you really? Okay, good. Oh, I said it better. Oh, I'll take that. Um, we, we have a lot of ways now to mess up communication. So we have Facebook. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to communicate something subtle and nuanced on Facebook, but it usually doesn't go well. Uh, the replies come back and things are a little iffy, right? And then you just kind of check out, you just kind of delete that thread. Um, uh, Twitter is another great way to mess up communication. You get 140 characters, that's all you got. Uh, and you can say something and it can imply things that you did not even mean. Uh, email. Email is another one. You don't get the tone. You don't quite get the tone in email, right? You might say, um, you might be trying to show excitement, so you do all caps, and then people think that you're yelling at them. It's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. But the major culprit in communication, bad miscommunication, is text messages. Has anybody ever just gotten just a text message that's like, that doesn't even make sense? Or you have autocorrect, and you send it, and it's like, whoops, that is not what I meant. I do the talking text now, and I used to just talk and send. Got in huge trouble because it would interpret my words in ways that I could, that I could have never even fathomed, right? So now you have to check. I came across a couple of text messages this week that I thought you would like that sort of demonstrate bad communication. A mom texted a, a kid and said, what does IDK, LY, and TTYL mean? The child responded, I don't know. Love you. Talk to you later. The mom says, okay, I'll ask your sister. I like this one. Mom says, your great aunt just passed away. LOL, child. Why is that funny? Mom, it's not funny, David. What do you mean? Mom, LOL means laughing out loud. Mom, oh my goodness, I sent that to everyone. I thought it meant lots of love. I have to call everyone back. <laughs> it's just bad communication. <laughs> uh, but... but in our life, and in, in literally every aspect of our life, the quality of our life is contingent upon our ability to effectively communicate, right? In our relationships... The absolute core component of a relationship, if you're in a uh, husband-wife, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, or even friendship, the ability to communicate effectively is going to absolutely impact the quality of that relationship. There's a researcher that I often refer to, a guy named John Gottman. He's the leading researcher in the field of relationship and marital satisfaction. And he can predict with an extremely high percent uh, degree of accuracy whether a couple will be together... 5 years from the day they come into his office based solely upon the way that they communicate with one another. Communication is absolutely key. In politics, you can be the best lawmaker, you can be the most the most brilliant mind, legal mind, you can have absolutely everything going for you, but if you cannot communicate your vision in a succinct, clear and 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 compelling manner, you have no you know, you have no, no, uh, no future in politics. In commerce, it's the same way. You can have an absolutely incredible product. But if you have not developed a way to articulate the value of that product to an audience, that product's just going to sit on the shelf no matter what it is, right? Because you haven't communicated it. A lot of times in technology, we think, well, maybe that's not a field that would require a lot of communication, right? We think of a lone, you know, person there inventing something on their own. Um, but but that's not true. There's a, there's a new book called The Innovators by a guy named Walter Isaacson where he talks about uh, every technological breakthrough. Really, a part of it is that those who are breaking through uh, or creating a breakthrough are doing it through a collaborative process because they've learned to effectively communicate with each other. Basically, I, I love a quote that he says. He says... Um, Innovation requires articulation. In every, literally every area of our life, we have to have effective communication, right? So, the question for the sermon today is if we have to have effective communication in our relationships, in our jobs, in our schools, among our friends, in our social networks, what about our spiritual life? What about our communication with God? How much time and energy are we able to or are we putting into effective communication with our creator? And I, I'll tell you straight out of the gate, this has been a challenge area for me. This is an area that I have begun to grow in more so since we started U City Family Church than any other time in my life. Because I have come to the recognition and the realization that there are things that I just cannot do on my own. And I, if i I can't get up here and preach effectively unless I've been in prayer unless I've spent time in prayer, I can't counsel a couple effectively if I haven't spent time in prayer I can't do any of the things I can't mentor I can't tutor I can't disciple people unless I am spending time communicating effectively with God and so as a as an individual and as a church, I would just encourage all of us let's think about this let's spend some time learning how because it doesn't come natural it's not intuitive right it's something that we have to learn and it's something that we have to practice so we're in this series called Jesus said and the premise and the, the the purpose of the series is sort of twofold if you are here today and you're not a believer let's say you're a seeker you're an agnostic you're you know you're sort of on the fence you're not sure then the the, the value of this of this series is that you're getting to hear, in, in really clear terms, we're going through the book of Matthew, you get to hear what Jesus said. You get to hear from his own mouth what he says about life, about you, about God, about himself, right? So you get a chance to listen in and think about, do I want to follow him? If you are a believer, if you're already a committed follower of Jesus, the, the value of this series is that you get to really deeply explore the words of your leader, your master, your savior, so that you can comport your life in accordance with it. And I don't care who you are, if you're wherever you are in the spiritual spectrum, if Jesus were here physically today and he said, I'm going to give a clinic on effective communication with God up at Wash U, I guarantee you we would be there, right? I mean, there would be millions of people that would throng to this clinic if he said, look, this is, I'm going to teach you about how to pray, Right? And that's what happened in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've been here for the last few weeks, you know the context of this, of where we are. And Jesus went up onto a hill. Uh, uh, his disciples followed him. The throngs, the crowds uh, followed them. And so Jesus is up there, and he's sitting down, and he's teaching. And then he starts to teach on this, on this issue of prayer and how to effectively communicate with God. And listen to what he says. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. They love to be seen by others. I, if if you've ever been around people who like in, insist on being like hyper religious, hyper spiritual, it's sort of like you, you you just sense it. You can smell it out, right? They got to always drop in the extra spirituality stuff, and you're kind of going, "Man, this is this doesn't feel genuine. This isn't." There's a, a a preacher named Dr. Matt King Carter, and he said, "You know, sometimes uh, you know people will get." like so verbose with their Christian ease. He said that uh, sometimes their, their words are, are so sugary and so sweet, you're, you're likely to get diabetes just listening to them. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He said sometimes these guys, they just want to, they want to be heard. And Jesus said, you know what? They've received their reward in full. They've already gotten what they wanted out of their communication. They wanted somebody to think that they were hyper-spiritual. Somebody's going to think that. And so they've already gotten their reward. And then he says, "But but you, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret," he said, "will reward you openly." Then he said this, "And when you pray, do not keep on bag babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words." So he's saying don't just go by rote. If if you're a if you're a a wife out there today, and your husband came to you every morning, and he said, "Roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so is you, and so are you." Right? The first day he did that, you might go, oh, "Okay, that was kind of weird, but kind of nice." And uh, thanks for saying that. If he did that the next day, and the next day, and the next day, eventually you'd go, Whoosh, "Right?" Like, hey, would you say something that's like from you? Don't just recite. Um, a, a, a love poem to me every, every day, right? Just, that's what Jesus is saying. He said, don't, don't get caught up in vain repetition as the heathens do because they think that by their many words, uh, God will hear them. He says, um, but don't be like them for your father, next slide, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he says this, and this is the, this is the, this is the beauty. He says, this, guys, let me show you. This is how you pray. And then he opened his mouth, and he gave us one of the most well-known, one of the most important, probably the most important prayer that any of us know. And you know what? Put it up on the screen, and and let's let's just say it out loud together, okay? Let's say it out loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody? Ever, ever ring a bell? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, depending on which uh, denomination or tradition you grew up in, there are some slight variations on that. And, and it always comes out when, like, it's not printed and you are all saying it together. So, like... You know this. This one is the debts, but if you, ever, you know, some places you say trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass. Um, we were at. Um, I, w- I was at uh, a Catholic mass not too long ago, and in the in the Catholic version, uh, the Roman Catholic version, that last line is is not on there. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, right? So it ends right there. It delivers from evil. Um, but you know, I'm one of these guys. I don't. I mean, wherever church I am, I'm like I'm all I'm all going for it. So I'm doing the Lord's prayer. And it says, you know, and deliver us from evil. And then I say, for yours is the... Dead silence. You can like hear it echoing off the chambers of the... Yours is the, is the, is the, is the... Right? People are like, all right, we got a Protestant in the house. That's cool. Welcome, man. (laughs) But despite these distinctions, right? These small nuances, right? The point of the prayer is the same. And the point of the prayer is not recitation. The point of the prayer prayer is communication. All right? Jesus doesn't teach it to us as a mantra. He teaches it to us as a model for how we should pray. He said, this then is how you should pray. And then he does something really extraordinary, and I want to just spend a few minutes today uh, going through what each component of this prayer means. Because the very first thing that he does is he says, address the person. Address the person. He says, our Father who art in heaven. I don't know about you, but I get um, about 10, 10 pounds of stuff like this in my mailbox every week. I mean, massive amounts of junk mail in my mailbox, right? And the reason that I do not respond to this, and the reason that I don't look at this, and the reason that this goes straight into the round file is because whoever is sending this to me is not actually sending it to me specifically. It says, dear resident, right? Now, there are some slightly more uh, advanced uh, programs where they'll actually have your name. Dear Brent Rome... And then it usually says or resident, meaning like if you didn't uh, move or if somebody else is it. Right. But the thing is, they're not actually sending this to me. This is just a blast. It's just going out to anybody everywhere. They're just trying to get somebody to buy something. Right. So I like to take these and just kind of flip through and make sure that there's you know, no personal mail in there. And then I just go drop that in to the to the trash can. What Jesus is saying is when you're praying, don't just don't just buckshot your prayer up into the heavens, right? Don't just throw your prayers out into, you know, uh, you know, up into the winds. He said, pray specifically. And who you're praying to is your father. Your father. That is extremely vital when we pray. Because I, I, I listened to a, a sermon this week um, by T.D. Jakes on this passage, right? And he said something that was pretty amazing. He said, when we say Father, when we pray Father, we are praying based upon our position, not upon our condition. Meaning, I know that was good, wasn't it? I, I, I had to credit him. I could have just stole it, but I didn't, you see. The other thing he did was he preached this sermon for one hour, 37 minutes, and 12 seconds. Anything to happen. Okay, amen. Don't worry if you're a visitor here. Um, they have a matinee. Uh, so we have a we have a de- We have to stop right at about about twenty minutes from now. Um, so 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 what he's saying is what you're doing is you're 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 approaching God not based upon who what you've been doing, not based upon how good you've been, not based upon you know the the, the sins that you have or have not committed, not based upon the good that you have or have not done. You're approaching God based upon your position as God's child. He's your father. And you are his child. When Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, you know, the story of the son who, you know, took his dad's inheritance, went away, spent it all on, on, on partying and, and uh, prostitutes and just blew, blew his whole uh, inheritance uh, out, out there living wild. Ended up in the worst place that a, that a Jewish kid in the first century could ever end up in a pigsty, you know, eating out of the same trough as the pig's. And while he's there, he starts to think, well, man, you know what? I had it better back in my dad's house. Now, I can't go back there as a son because I've completely ruined it. I've ruined the relationship. But maybe I could go back there as a servant. And because maybe if I could just serve, you know, there, because the servants are actually living better than I am. So he goes back based upon his condition. And his father says, look, I don't care about your condition. The position that you're in is you're my son. That's why I'm going to take off my robe. I'm going to put it on your back. I'm going to take off my ring, put it on your finger. I'm going to kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party because my son came home, right? So when we pray, Father, what's important that we know is that we're approaching a loving father who wants nothing more. And, and some of you, this is the only thing that you need out of this sermon. You need to know that God loves you, wants the best for you, wants to protect you, wants to lead you, guide you, care for you, nurture you, strengthen you, and make you into the child that he made you to be. That, some of you, that's all you need today, right? Just know that you're praying to your father. And then Jesus said, after you've figured out that you're praying based upon your position, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to open with praise, Open with praise he said, "Hollywood be your name. Hollywood means holy, sacred, revered, set apart you, you're what you're doing in this moment is you're actually honoring and revering you've got an intimacy with God, but you, there's also a reverence for God, right He's not He's not your chum, he's, he's God, he's the almighty God um, and, and, and and so you may say, well look why, why do we have to praise him right? Does he need his ego boosted? No. Praising is to help us understand and recognize our position in relation to God. Um, When a judge walks into a courtroom, everybody in the courtroom stands. And if you don't stand, the bailiff is going to come over and say, you need to stand. And if you then don't stand, the bailiff is going to gently escort you right on out of the courtroom, right? Because when we stand in a courtroom, what we're signifying is that in this chamber, this judge has authority and jurisdiction. And what this judge says goes, and I'm honoring that because I'm in his courtroom, right? That's what praise does. Praise is our heart standing before God and saying, God, we honor you. We revere you. We love you. We thank you. You're magnificent. You're mighty. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And I'm not, right? We tend to get sort of self-focused and self-centered in life. Everything leads us to that. Thinking about our own needs, our own desires, our own wants, our own passions, whatever it is. Praise takes us out of that. Praise says, wait a second, this is not about you. You know, this is about God. This is about the Almighty God. There's a psalm that I love Psalm 150. Um, because they you know, they really drive it home in this psalm. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with the timbrel and the dance, praise him with the strings and pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with the res- resounding cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Oh, by the way, praise the Lord. Thank you. I mean, I think what they're trying to communicate here." is that we should praise the Lord, okay? So that's what Jesus is saying. Understand and, and address the person, and then open your prayer with praise. And I will tell you this, and I'll tell you this again at the end. But when you praise, your problems begin to get diminished in light of the grandeur that, and, and the glory and the honor that you are giving to God. They just become smaller. They don't, it's not that they just disappear. It's just that they just don't, in light of who God is, your problems just don't seem so daggone bad. All right? All right. So we praise. Amen. Um, number three, we pursue God's purpose. We pursue God's purpose. We say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth and as it is in heaven. I think this is part of one of my favorite ones because this is audacious. This is bold. This is you know, this is this is us saying, God, the way things are in heaven, we would like we would like that to be here, right here on earth. We want your purpose as it is expressed in heaven to be expressed right here on earth. I mean, that's that's a crazy prayer right? That's because you're talking about bringing perfection. You're seeking to bring perfection onto the earth. And Jesus is saying, yeah, do that. You've probably heard the story of the two salesmen back in the forties that were sent to India, shoe salesmen. Uh, and one of them wrote back to his home office and he said, this is, this is terrible. Get me out of here. There's no market. Nobody here, nobody here even wears shoes. Right? And then the other salesman said, Hey, Send me a hundred pair. This is an amazing market. Nobody here has shoes, right? So Jesus, was that did you guys? Get, that was kind of a slow trickle there. Um, we'll come. We'll circle back to that one. I could. I could pull that one out again. Uh, what, what's happening is, what's happening is, Jesus is saying, look, Christians, don't be praying that God will get you out of this situation. Don't be saying, God, just you know, just get us out of the earth, right? He's saying, no, pray, you're not hostages, you're ambassadors, you're emissaries, right? You're here on the earth to bring my presence and my glory and my will and, 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 and my purpose to the earth, right? So don't pray to be evacuated, pray that God would come down here and that we could be an expression and transform our community so that it looks more like heaven. That's the crazy audacious prayer that Jesus wants us to pray, our vision statement at our church, U City Family Church, is: we are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, growing and vibrant community of followers of Jesus, who are experiencing the transforming power of God in our own life, and who are transforming our city, our country, and our world through the love of Christ and the power of the Spirit. What that means is, we are not a congregation who is just trying to say, "Lord, get us over to glory land, like get us on up out of here." That's not us. We're saying, God, we 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 feel like we're here because we have a mission and we want to bring your will and your purpose right here. And we want to be part of transforming people's lives right here. Jesus is saying, look, don't ask for trinkets. This isn't the price is right. Okay, I want you to ask for something bigger and bolder than that. That's what he's saying. He's saying, what if you don't pray? What, what if you start praying for the end of poverty and the end of racism and the end of war and the end of disease? What if you start praying that people's lives, that folks on drugs would just be totally transformed to be following you, you and relationships that are all messed up and beyond repair suddenly start to come back together? What if we start praying that kind of audacious, audacious prayer and living that out as a congregation?" Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I could go on for an hour, 37 minutes, and 12 seconds on that. I, I could. <laughs> Number four, he said, petition with confidence, and I'm going to add with persistence. By the way, if you have your sermon, you, you, these are little sermon notes you can follow along. <laughs> I tell you for, the fourth, during the fourth point. But anyway, um, you can kind of follow along, fill those out. This one is, is, is I really love too, and Jesus gives an example to illustrate this. And his example is fantastic. He said, Okay, imagine this. You have a friend coming over, you didn't know he was coming, but he comes over to your house, he shows up around midnight, comes over to your house, and you you know, this is somebody you haven't seen for a long time. You say, Hey, welcome friend. Your friend comes in, you go, Let me go get something out of the fridge. Let's sit down and you know, you've been on a long journey, let me feed you. You go, there's open the fridge, there's nothing there, right? none of the stores are open. Domino's is closed. Okay. There's nowhere to get any, but you need to, you need to feed your friend because you need to be hospitable to your friend. He said, here's what, here's what it's like. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. You're going to go over to your neighbor's house and you're going to knock on the door. Okay. It's midnight. You're going to knock on the door and you're going to knock on the door and your friend is going to yell down and your friend is going to say, what are you doing? It's midnight. My wife, my kids are in bed. Leave us alone. And you're going to say, well, I have a friend that just came in and we need to feed him. And your friend's going to say, too bad. Go to bed. Get out of my house. Jesus said, look, if you keep knocking at the door, your friend, not out of friendship, but to get rid of you, will eventually come down, open the door and say, okay, I got some chicken wings in the fridge. Just take them and get out of here, right? That's what Jesus said. What he's saying is this, and, and then he goes right and he says, Those who, who, who seek, find, those who knock, the door is answered. He said, Some of you have not because you ask not. And if you have, if you know that, you're, that God is your father, then you can be like my son who comes to me and says, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Okay, but I know, but we're still in the car. Okay, but Dad, I'm hungry. Okay, I know, but. Right? We're like, we're just driving. Now, dad, I'm hungry. I'm like, man, we will get you some. And you better believe I'm going to feed that kid when we get home. I'm going to say, okay, can you please just don't ask me anymore, but I will definitely feed you. Jesus is saying, look, if you have needs in your heart and in your life, your father knows what you need. Just go bang on the door. Just go if 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 you need a if you need a spouse, keep banging on the door, right? If you need deliverance from something, just keep banging on the door. It might not happen like that. Keep banging on the door, right? If you need a new job, just be be banging on the door. Keep keep seeking from God what you need because He is faithful as a father. He said, if if a, if a child asks his dad for a piece of bread, is he going to give him a stone? No, he's going to give him a piece of bread. Keep knocking at the door. Petition God with confidence and persistence. Amen? All right. Number five. This is a big one. He said, seek and give pardon. Seek and give pardon. Says, uh, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, as we forgive our debtors. On uh, October 2nd, 2006, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, it was a quiet day, birds chirping in the trees, you can hear the sound of a horse hoof clip, clip-clopping across the, uh, the dirt road, sound of buggies. It's Amish country. It's quiet. And suddenly all of that, all that peace and silence is shattered by the sound of gunfire in an Amish school. This is in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, back in 2006. What happened was uh, when police arrived, what they found in this Amish school Um, was they found uh, a number of young girls who had been killed. Five survived, and five did not survive. And they also found uh, the gunman who had turned the gun on himself, Um, a guy named Charles Carl Roberts. The survivors told the story about what happened. The survivors said that this guy came into the school, and he had guns and everything, and, and he made all the little boys leave the schoolhouse. It was a one-room schoolhouse. And he made all the adults leave the schoolhouse. And he told these little girls, 10 little girls, he said, listen, I lost my daughter shortly after she was born uh, nine years earlier. And I have resented God for that all this time. In fact, I've hated God that he took my daughter. And so today I'm going to exact revenge upon God. And then he started firing. And so when the... Police arrived. Uh, they helped. You know, they got some of the girls that were um, wounded out, and and they survived. This rocked this this county, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I mean, this is this was unprecedented, right? Just, this doesn't happen. And initially, news cameras were coming, and 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 helicopters, and you know, reporters were coming in and interviewing, and they were focusing as you would imagine they would, on the gruesome details of these murders, right? But within just a very short period of time, the narrative of the story changed because the grandfather of one of the victims came to the other victims' families and said, we cannot condemn this man. We have to actually forgive him. And the, the parents... And I, I, I can't fathom this, okay? I'm, I'm not on this level. But the parents of the, the girls who were shot went to the home of the man who had shot their, their daughters, right? And he had killed himself by this point. But they went in and they comforted the wife and the children of the murderer. And then they went over to the parents of the man, of the murderer. And they put their arms around him. And these buggies, these buggies pulled up, you know, with these Amish folks getting out, went into the home of the parents of the man who murdered their children. And they literally just held them for hours as they grieved, as they all grieved. And when it was time for the funeral of this guy, this murderer, the Amish folks outnumbered everybody else in that funeral. They turned up in droves to say, We forgive and we cannot hold on it's not going to take us anywhere to hold on to bitterness we forgive and when they were asked how you know how can you guys do this like what what is in you that allows you to exhibit this kind of you know forgiveness that this is what they pointed to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. They said, we know that we cannot experience forgiveness in our own hearts unless we express forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And we want forgiveness and we need forgiveness. And so we are expressing forgiveness to you. And it was transformative in that community. In fact, the mother of the man who murdered these kids every week goes and takes care of one of the girls who survived who was the most um, the most damaged, and she goes and sits with her and takes care of her and helps her every week. These families have become close through the act of forgiveness. Some of you guys, some of us, probably all of us, there may be things in our own life, something that happened to us, some issue that we're not resolved with, somebody hurt us, somebody harmed us. We're mad at God. Something didn't go right. And somewhere in our hearts, we're harboring just a little bit of this unforgiveness. And Jesus is saying, look, release that. Forgive and then be forgiven. Because when you experience forgiving someone else, when you experience that, when you actually release someone from a debt or obligation that they owe you, right, then and only then can you believe that God... Would forgive you, if you've never forgiven somebody, you don't even know what that feels like. And then when God says, "I want to forgive you," you don't believe it. You just don't believe it can happen, right? Because you don't know what it's like to do it. Jesus says, "Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." Forgive. And then, point number six, he says, "Pray after you've forgiven for your past. Pray for your." Protection for your future. Ask for protection. Pray for protection. Lead us not into temptation, he said, but deliver us from evil. That word deliver actually means to, to, to draw out, but not just to draw out, but to draw close. To draw close to the one who delivers. So just like a mother reaches down to the crib, picks the baby up, and then draws the baby to her, that's what that word deliver means. It means pull up and, and, and pull to, all right? Um, if you've ever been on a seafaring vessel, uh, a ship or a sailboat that's going out to sea, every one of them has this device on there called an EPIRB. And an EPIRB um, is, uh, it's, it, it looks sort of like a green Slurpee, and it's got a little antenna that sticks out, and it's got all these electronics inside of it. Um, and it stands for Emergency Position Indicating Radio Beacon. And the way an EPIRB works is if everything else goes wrong, if your, if your satellite radio goes out, if your satellite phone goes out, if your flares don't work, if your you know water gets into the boat and messes up all the electronics, you can break a seal, hit a button on this EPIRB, and it will immediately release your coordinates to the Coast Guard. And it doesn't matter if you're 10 miles out or 1,000 miles out, and just... No time, a C-130 plane is going to fly over. Paratroopers are going to jump out. There's going to be an inflatable raft that pops up with an outboard motor. Guys are going to come, and they're going to come and grab you and get you out of there. Just like that. Jesus is saying, when you pray, just kind of keep one finger on the perb, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Just know that if you get into a situation that you cannot get out of, your God is a deliverer. Right, He delivered Daniel from the lion's den. He delivered David from Goliath. He delivered the Israelites uh, from the bondage of slavery. And he can deliver you from whatever it is that you're in. And I love this two-part thing. It says, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Jesus is saying, when we're praying, just say, God, I know that I am prone to wander. I know from my own past that I might go astray. So lead me not into temptation. But if I do, pull me out. Get me out of this. there's a humility there. There's an understanding of oneself that happens when we pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of you, again, today, that can just be the prayer of your heart. You're in a situation right now and you go, I don't see the light on this one. And, you know, hit the e-perb, man. Pray that God will deliver you and we we worship a delivering God who will see you out. And then the final point of this prayer He says, close with praise. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. End with praise. He said, open with praise. So we say, God, look, I I praise you, right? And then I'm going to ask for your protection and I'm asking for your pardon and I'm asking and I'm petitioning you for my, for my needs and I'm seeking everything from you, God. But then at the end, I want to turn this back around and I want to lift up the praise to you. I want to exalt you. I want to love you. I want to honor you. I want to get things back oriented so that I'm not focused on me. I'm ending this prayer saying, thank you, God for who you are. Thank you, God, for the breath that I breathe. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And again, this reorients your heart. It reorients your heart so that you're not dwelling on your own problems, but you're praising God for his love and mercy that he's extended to you. That, Jesus says, is how you pray. That's how you pray. That's the clinic. That's how you do it. Now here's, you know, you may say, okay, what do I take away from this? There's a lot of content here. There's a lot of stuff. What I'm going to ask you to do this week, one thing, one thing, I'm going to ask you to take these, this, uh, these sermon notes that's got this scripture on here. And then it's got all these little things that I know you faithfully filled out all the way through service. You can actually cheat off your neighbors if you haven't. And I'm going to, and I'm going to challenge you to do this. I'm going to challenge you to put this either on your mirror or on your fridge or on your desk at work or at school or somewhere where you can look at it and where you can pray at least one time a week, pray using the template that Jesus gave us, using the model that Jesus gave us, one time a day for the next week. And let's just see what happens in your life if we actually model the prayer that Jesus gives to us, not by rote, not by memory, but we actually pray according to the template that he gave us because here's what I believe. I believe that when we do what Jesus said, we get to experience what Jesus said we would experience. And Jesus said, pray like this. And Jesus said, when you pray to your heavenly father, he hears your cry. And Jesus said, Go into a secret place and reach out to your father who is in secret and he will reward you openly. And I believe that our church and our community will experience the greatest outpouring of mercy, grace, power, love, and compassion that we have ever experienced if we will only do what Jesus said. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in gratitude and with praise. We thank you, God, for your love and your mercy. We thank you that you're with us today. We ask, Lord, that our hearts would be softened as your word sort of sinks in today. The words that you have uttered, the words that you have said, let them be rooted firmly and deeply in our heart. Let them grow, Lord God, in our heart. Let them become uh, strong like an oak tree, God, that we might follow you with all of our heart, not out of our own uh, abilities, God, but out of your grace and out of your mercy. We ask for your help today. We ask for your strength. We pray that your will be done. We pray that we be the conduits of your will here on the earth, that we become those who are transforming our community by the power and the love of your grace. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.